You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the show. What a lineup we have for you tonight. Mark, take it away, mate. Bam, bam, <laughs> boys are back in town, boys are back in town. <laughs> oh, boys, I've missed you. How are we? <laughs> welcome to the show. First of all, Mark, might as well start with you. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good. Good. Well, nice and short and sweet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All good, mate. Can't complain. Graham, how are you, sir? I'm very well, mate. Back again. <laughs> Back again. Mr. Dan Potts, how you doing? Yeah, sweet man. Great to see you all. I'm really, uh, really happy to be on doing this with you boys, man. It's been a uh, strange without you every Monday night. So looking forward to it, Harry. And Mr. Judges, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm good, thank you very much. Uh, looking forward to this. Um, it's good that we've all got back together. I think you should say why we've all got back together. Harry, I'll leave it up to you. But uh uh, it's a good day, isn't it? Yeah, Arsenal won. Exactly. Spurs lost and we're all back together. Exactly. <laughs> and we are back and it is, it's brilliant, as you guys have all said. I just want to echo that. It's fantastic uh, to be sharing a platform with you all once again. Uh, as you guys know, the same old Arsenal podcast uh, is no longer uh, going on. Uh, I do want to say a massive thank you to Craig, though, because, um, you know, it was a fantastic platform. It was a great show. We've all become really close friends off the back of it as well, which is even more important than the football stuff. Um, and that's fantastic. So big shout out to Craig as well. Um, and thank you for for having us on there and, and everything. So, uh, yeah, and I uh, hope to get Craig on soon as well and have a little chat with uh, Craig as well on all things Arsenal. And uh, as you put it, Judge, Arsenal have won a bloody game. Arsenal have won a game of football. Can't believe it. Uh, it's been a long time coming. It's been a really difficult start to the season. Been a lot of unrest within the fan base. Um, the win against Norwich doesn't completely, you know, get us out of it. It doesn't mean that Arsenal have turned the corner. But Graham, it's a start, isn't it? What were your thoughts on the game uh, on Saturday? Well, you caught me by surprise there, mate. I was just uh, <laughs> reaching for the phone to sort of give a like to the show. Um yeah, um, possibly one of them. God, for, God forbid we've come through for his yeah, opinion. You've got to get the likes up, haven't you? You've got to get the likes. Guys, forget about your pre- opinion, just press the like button. Guys, we've got one like. Come in, Graham. Come in, Graham. Your time is. <laughs> Well, Graham yeah, always has um, to go last normally, and then so, and he has to ask to come in. So I thought I'd put him in before yeah, we got to that, that point. Yeah, well, the reason he like goes last those... is he doesn't leave any time for anybody else, Harry. Come <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, What did I think of it? It was a it was a very scrappy, narrow one 0 win. Um, Just go and make uh, a coffee. I'll see you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> First, you got the coffee, and Mark's got the cheese. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a very. Oh, I mean, I believe the doors open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a very scrappy, narrow one-nil win, but um, a win that has, has got Arsenal foothold in the season at last. Because basically, they went into this game in absolutely dire straits, didn't they? Uh, three straight defeats, no goals, uh, minus nine goal difference. 
Um, expected goals for the lowest in the league, expected goals against the highest in the league, the worst ever start for 70 years almost. And if we'd lost on Saturday, that'd been the first time we'd lost four straight games since 1923-24. So, uh, and I think Arteta was under a lot of pressure Saturday because, let's face it, he uh, in the window, he, he's now got his team, hasn't he? He's made his six signings, £140 million. And he made big calls on Saturday, Harry. He, he played five of his new signings. Um, so, massive statement there. Um, great that we got the win. Uh, I thought first half, we started really well for 20 minutes and then basically we faded. Um, the, the funny, you learn a lot about teams when, you know, they, they, when they're, you know, most teams can have good periods of, of, of play where they're dominating the games. You learn a lot about teams when they don't dominate matches. And I think that's our weakness, you know. And I think that we got, we lost all our composure Saturday in the last 20 minutes. Norwich came into it, threatened us towards the end of the first half. But he got the team together at half-time. He left it 15 minutes. He made that tactical tweak. Uh, he went from the 4-2-3-1 to the 4-3-3. Moved Maitland-Niles to right back. Took off uh, Lokongo, who I thought had an excellent game. Uh, also took off Tomiyasu, who I thought also had an excellent game. And, and he's already a fan's favourite, isn't he? Um, fantastic performance by him. Fought on Party and Smith-Rowe. And then went in three in midfield. Party uh, at DM, uh, Odegaard and Smith-Rowe on either side. All of a sudden, it opened up passing lanes going forward. We look more dynamic going forward uh, and, and we got Pepe in a position where I think we need to get him in in, a, in around that penalty box. And um, uh, what happened on that goal was Partey shifted it really well to his right-hand side, took three Norwich players out with a brilliant forward pass. Uh, Saka shook off Hanley really well. And the moment he's driving now at the Norwich defence, Williams, who was marking uh, Pepe pretty well most of that game, has to come across. That allows with the passing lane opening up now with the extra man in that forward position. But Pepe to get in, get the shot away, which led to the goal. So in the end, that tactical tweet, as Lee said in his interview, the introduction of Party was uh, his interview on AFTB on Saturday. His, it, the it, the um, Party coming on was the game changer. Uh, and he offered us a presence, a physical presence, and a ball progression presence that Maitland-Niles didn't ha have, I think, in central midfield. And ultimately, that led to us... Uh, you know, winning the game. There were one or two scary moments at the end, two absolutely vital blocks from Gabriel and Cedric, which I think went under the radar. But in the end, I think they got that first win and now we need to build on it, of course. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Mark, what did you make of the game? And I know we haven't spoken, have we, really, on a podcast since the season started. So how relieved were you to see Arsenal uh, manage to dig out the result, albeit not the most, you know, it wasn't by the biggest scoreline, but we, we did it. No, well, thanks for inviting me on, Harry. You know, it's the first time you've ever invited me on this channel. <coughs> um, <laughs> no, uh... <laughs> nah, it's good, man. It's good. It's good to see you. Oh, it's good to win, isn't it? You know, what I mean, let's let's be honest. I know there's hysteria around us losing and that. Brentford was horrific, wasn't it? But let's be real. It's their cup final, wasn't it? When they, they came up, first game of the season, fans back after not being around. Um, they did everything that was expected of a newly promoted side who were full of the euphoria. And we were decimated through injuries and still heavily involved in the transfer window. Like, I can't remember a transfer window so heavy in my Arsenal supporting days that, do you guys not feel that, like ins and outs and loans? Was it 
It's quite it's a heavy big turnaround, one, isn't it? It's I, a big I turnaround. Don't, I don't remember one such, Harry. Do you? Like it was, there was a lot going on, and um, so we say now that he's got this squad coming in. It's it's almost he's going to get judged because these are his people. These are his guys. Now, realistically, are we going to be judged at the end of the season by how we performed against Manchester City and Chelsea? I don't think so. I don't. Sadly, I don't think we're there. I, I, I just don't think we're there at that level. They're not the games that we are expected to get three points anymore. They're the games that we're hoping to get three points. And, and if we get a, res, a draw or something, that's that's good. You know, you look at the tons of investment they've had. I mean, I'm not being funny, but you look at Manchester City, you look at Chelsea, you look at, you look at Manchester United this summer. Huge, isn't it? Absolutely huge investment in playing squad, in wages. You know, their turnover is 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 unparalleled with ours. So, for me, it was right to reset the system, uh, reset the season after those first three games. And actually, we needed it. It, it, it was okay to to write it off. So, Norwich is a barometer for where everyone will be this season, sadly. You know, I love Norwich Football Club. You know, they do things the right way. They run the right way. They don't, you know, um, they've not got some massive investor chucking loads of dough at them and stuff like that. So they're building, building. They go up, parachute payments go down, and they build and build and try and get stronger and stronger. And they're doing things the right way. Um, we beat them. We had to beat them. Um, that was all that mattered, really. Um, but it was nice to see Arteta's 11. Um, Jack is missing from that. We like him or not, he, he will be a part of this team. But it was fantastic to see what they're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm now worrying about the one thing I wasn't worrying about before, which is the front line, which is Uber, Laka, the goals. Do you know what I mean? Because that was the one area of the pitch where we were okay like world class and now I'm starting to think well we've we've strengthened we've built we're building and now I'm thinking well come on where's the goals so um you know lovely to get three points what great feeling around the place but yeah we're off and running that's all you can say in it at a game like that you got to win you did win yeah yeah, absolutely. Before I come to you, Dan, just a second, a big thank you to Side for your very kind uh, super chat donation. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, really, really appreciate that. Dan, um, Mark mentioned the, the front line. Obviously, um, you know, it is a bit of a concern, the, the lack of goals. But do you take encouragement from the fact that we did have a lot more attempts at goal at the weekend? We did create a lot more opportunities because I came away from that game thinking, well, it's not ideal that we've only hit the back of the net once. But just the fact that I felt like we could score uh, was an improvement on what we've seen in the weeks uh, prior to that. Yeah, it's still a concern for me though, Harry, because I know we had 30 shots, but I don't really think there was anything too clear-cut bar maybe a Bamiyang chance in the first half. Um, I still do feel the front line is lacking because of bad coaching. I just don't really think that we're getting the best out of some of these players up front because of some of the cautious tactics at times. And I think that this obsession with a kind of inverted fullback is is completely ruining the management of Pepe. I just I see Pepe 
just being isolated quite a lot. And I really like him. I think he gets a lot of stick. I know me and Lee disagree on this quite a lot, but I understand where Lee's coming from because he is frustrating, Pepe, to watch his touch, by the way, at the weekend at times was abysmal. However, I do think he's our most threatening player going forward. And I do think he's one of the only ones who looks like scoring. So... When I look at Saka's last, I think he's had last 20 games, Saka. He's got one assist and no goals. So he's not scoring. Smith-Rowe doesn't score. Erdegaard doesn't score or assist, it seems. We're struggling big time with this system. And I do put it down to the management because I do think that there, we saw with Unai Emery, Aubameyang scored 31 goals. Lacazette got player of the season. Um, we're not really seeing that, though, those two players under this management. And that is worrying. Obviously, Pepe has scored quite a few goals of late of, of last uh, season, um, but everyone thought he was poor at the weekend. I kind of disagree. I thought that maybe his touch was poor, but if it wasn't for him, it would have been nil-nil because he created the only goal of the game. Aubameyang, I thought, looked sharp. Harry, I did. I thought he looked um, a lot more like the old Aubameyang, where we've kind of seen him perhaps not scoring goals uh, like for fun like we'd like to see, but certainly getting in the positions now and not looking as lacklustre as perhaps did last season towards the uh, end. We might have saw, I think, 13 games, 10 goals towards the end of last season for Aubameyang, which isn't a shambles. But he certainly looks like he's sharp. When he came on against Chelsea, albeit really poor uh, team performance, I thought Aubameyang looked sharp and he continued to do that going through into the West Brom game with those goals and, of course, scored the goal at the weekend. So it is still a worry for me, Harry, although we had 30 shots what I will say and I totally agree with what Graham said and also what Lee said the other day I think Thomas Partey will be our most important player this season if fit because you know why he's our best player he's head and shoulders above everybody else in my opinion intelligence wise on the ball ability wise his passing range spraying the ball out wide which is something we just don't normally see and forwards more than anything from Thomas Partey and I must say Sambi Lokonga I was a bit surprised come off if I'm honest I understand that obviously Maitland-Niles was left on to go right back but I don't think he deserved to be taken off for lack of performance so I imagine it was tactics so I'm a huge fan of what we're seeing in terms of some of the passing ability but we're still not scoring goals and that is what worries me so Sambi was taken off, I think, and I don't know this for a fact, but he did miss the game for Belgium in midweek with an injury doubt. So I just wonder if Mikel Arteta took oh, him off uh, first because of that. Because there was, there, at one point last week, there was talk of him maybe missing the game on Saturday. So um, I think that's probably why he came off. Um, Judge, you, your take on the game, mate, because I, I saw you and Dan's conversation about uh, Pepe. I tend to lean towards Dan on this one because I feel like Pepe is a massive threat and and although he is frustrating, he does make things happen. But what did you make of the overall performance and, and what did you make of the attack, I guess? Yeah, I thought, um, listen, I'll, I'll say it now, it was all, all about getting the win, really. The performance, yeah, was, wasn't was great. I didn't think it was a great performance. Um, Norwich came in there and they, they defended well. And look, that was time-wasting after 10 minutes. That shows your intentions, if I'll be honest. Um, I, I, I felt that the defence looked okay. People keep going on to me, oh, it's only Norwich or whatever like that. You can only play what's in front of you and defend properly. And I thought we did defend properly. Probably like the last five, ten minutes after we'd scored, we got a little bit nervous because sometimes when you play, um, you, you try and hold on to what you got and that three points were valuable. Like So I think a little bit of nerves. And I think that's only natural uh, come into play. I think you look at things a little bit differently once after the game to when you get home and all that. I didn't even realise we had 30 shots until somebody told me. It didn't It didn't look like a game that we had 30 shots, if I'll be honest. So I didn't, I, 
I, I can only remember about three or four. But um, so I look at it from that point of view. What worries me, and, I, and I'll tell you what worries me, is it, it is the front three. And, I, and, and I, I take on ball about Saka as well, because it's not just Pepe, it's all of them. And it, the game opened up, opened up when we brought on Smith Rowe and, and Partey. We had more attacking options and we went more free-flowing. And that is because of the manager. You know, I'm not having a go at Pepe. I said that on on the day, you know what I mean? I think that, you know, they're being stifled. They're being playing with, like, um, you know, like with, with limitations. And I mean, we've got enough defensive players in the team to let, you, let your front three players just go and express themselves. And I don't think they are being allowed to express themselves. We spoke about this yesterday, you know, um, whether there's no interchanging. Um, Pepe could go down the left sometimes, Saka on the right. They don't do it. It's, it's, it's a little bit uh, routine. And, and, I, and I think that that's where, it's, where someone like uh, Pepe is suffering. What I will say about Pepe, and, uh, and this is my criticism of Pepe, and it's nothing to do with the seventy-two million pound. I look at him and I think, what a player! What skills! What he's got! He's an absolutely fantastic player with skill. Doesn't give it enough end product for me for the ability that he's got. That's my point about him there. Like you know, Saka, I, I felt it was the same. If I'll be honest, that you know, as, as Dan just says, when you're bringing up stats like one assist, he's being stifled a little bit in that role. Why are we not getting these three players scoring goals? And 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 also the other thing I think is. Because of, I, I, what I will say this is, for me, Mikel Arteta looks to be looking at our attacking options and our full-backs getting wide and doing that. And I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, well, if, if why don't you set a system up where when we get into the dangerous areas, it's um, Saka and um, Pepe making those dangerous things and it happening like, you know, get them into the dangerous positions so they can produce. What seems to be happening is that Pepe seems to be going inside where it's difficult into the into the crowd, if you like, and leaving the fullback to have, have that run. Well, why not? I, I'm looking at it and going, get, get, the, get the ball out. The reason I think Pepe in the last 20 minutes or 25 minutes or whatever it was, come into the game is because as soon as Parsi got the ball, he got it out there quick to him. It wasn't three or four passes and then over to Pepe. It was one out to him and then he can attack his player. The same on the other side with Saka. The game opened up when Partey came on. And I think the the one thing and, and what I'm what I'm worried about under Mikel Arteta was that when the, the, the crowd, by the way, were fantastic yesterday from Wurgo, but just when it was starting to just get a little bit wobbly with the fans, he brought on the substitution, took the shekels off, and we went for it. And it was like I've got to have to say that it was a very very good entertaining last 20, 25 minutes. Why don't he do that in the first place? Let the play take the shackles off. We're playing Norwich at home and go for it. I understand is what we're saying there with three points is very, very much more important than all that. I do think that Mikel Arteta is far, far too cautious. The criticism that I've said to him all the way through his managerial career, he's more worried about losing than winning. And I think he's got to get that mentality out and go and go for it. Go, you know, I'm not so when you're playing against Man United or you're playing against uh, Liverpool or someone like that, yeah, yeah, let's be like that cautious approach. But when you're playing the teams down the bottom, go out there and give them a good good spanking, which is what you're supposed to do. Get the shackles off and let your players play. And I don't think that that's happening. And I think I do agree with Dan on, on this about Pepe. I think if he had a, a manager that was like, if he was under Arsene Wenger, for instance, he would be a fantastic player for us because it was more about attacking emphasis than defending. Graham, you're our kind of tactics man. Do you agree that it is 
a tactical thing that's kind of limiting our forwards? Or do you feel like, I mean, I just think about it in this way. If you're a manager who sets up a team in a way that gives up little, very little chances, which we did on, on the weekend, you know, you mentioned those couple of blocks. Other than that, I don't remember Norwich doing too much. Ramsdale didn't have to make any particularly good saves. But we did have attempts at goal. So are you on that kind of, are you of that school of thought? Do you think that it is a tactical issue that's preventing us seeing these players lift their level of outputs? Well, I think he, I think we're over, the forward players are over coached. Um, I mean, you have to have an element of coaching in football. Uh, but all teams now in the Premier League play this sort of like 3-2-5, uh, 3-2-5 build-up that, that he's playing. It's almost like every team. He's playing. They all look to create these five lanes of attack. Um, but I, I think it's it's the way the, the the problem he's got. He hasn't got the players. I think to play it because what that system needs is really quick ball, ball progression. So when it goes from the into midfield, we haven't got the skill set in the midfield. The midfield players haven't got the skill set to play it quickly forward to get those four players into positions to make it really work. Um, I think. Um, in terms of are we overcoached? I, 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 look, I think when Emery was manager, I know you didn't like Emery, uh, Harry, did you? But Emery set up the uh, the team to the strengths of the players. I think it's the reverse of Arteta. I think he's got the structure and he wants the players to play in the structure. Um, and I think he doesn't give them the license. Um, the interest because uh, I, I I think there are signs of there was some signs of some change on Saturday. Um, first of all, I think we looked to hit uh, Aubameyang more, more earlier than we have done. I mean, I've noticed that's been my main criticism, that we haven't been playing uh, balls quickly forward and get our forwards to the strength of these forwards, because these forwards are better. Like Pepe used to play in a counter-attacking team at Lille. Aubameyang likes the ball in behind. Um, but we sort of like had this slow build-up, and then we had this sort of donut shape up the front where we just recycle the ball across. And the problem is when you play like that, is teams get back in a shape. And, and I think football now is won in transition. I think football's won by uh, broken through making chances from broken play. So I think you have to play higher up the pitch, which he, he wants to do. But I just think you need to give players a little bit more freedom to play, and I think he does want him to play in a certain way. He wants Pepe to hug the touchline. Uh, now, Pepe, to me, is not great in build-up. We took, uh, and I agree with Dan and Lee. I want to see him uh, more forward, getting into the box. Now, what I want... The question you need to ask yourself, and I'm interested to see what everyone else thinks about this, is why is he never, when we get the ball in midfield, trying to make a run into that channel between the full-back and the centre-half? Why is he not looking? Why are we not looking to pin a ball into that gap and get him into those areas? It can only be because Arteta wants him to have the touchline. And as Dan says, he wants uh, the fullbacks to come up and our wide forwards to come inside and the fullbacks to go on the outside. We haven't got uh, players, uh, you know, the stinging crosses in the box. We don't score. We had eight corners on Saturday. We never looked like scoring from any of them. Tierney comes up high and slings crosses into the box. We don't get players into the box. When we do, we haven't got, we haven't got a Giroud in there anymore. And I think it's quite ironic that it's eight years ago next month that we scored the most iconic, greatest ever goal at the Emirates when Jack Wilshire scored that goal. When we literally, because uh, all drove from midfield and it was just all about one touch, pass and move, players just appreciating space and doing what they wanted to do. Now, 
the thing is about coaching. When George Graham became Arsenal manager, he coached the defence and he coached the midfield. But I'm sure he allowed the attacking players to express themselves. Arsene Wenger always knew the qualities of his team. The qualities of his team were his attacking players. So he didn't coach the forward players. He just let them be instinctive. So uh, I, I do think he's overcoached. I do see reason why, because when he came in, he had to stop. We, were, we had too many shots going at our goal. And he had a system, I think, at the start of his reign that was working. But when Party came in, that was a signal to move to the back four and a, a, a midfield, uh, like a 4-3-3 if possible. So, look, I, I think that when he... The only time you ever see Arsenal be a bit more fluid is in that last 20 minutes of games. We never start quickly, do we? It's only... Why can't we start like the way we finish games? You know, we talked about 30 shots. Uh, Lee said it didn't feel like 30 shots because most of those 30 shots were in the last 20 minutes when 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 Norwich were pushing up and we you know were able to sort of like exploit the space. But it was also because we had the extra midfielder. So I just want to see a system really where he coaches it to a certain part of the pitch and then he lets the four players go and be what they want to be. And answers your question, yeah, every team is coached nowadays. Every team tries to play the same sort of shape. I just think you need to let your forward players be more expressive. And and I, I think he stifles them at times. And, and that's what I see. I can only see what I see on the pitch. That's my view on it. Mark, what, what's your take on that? Because I'm, I kind of half agree with you guys and half don't. Um, Mark, where, where are you on this? With yeah, the whole... I don't know. It's difficult because uh, Graham, uh, he, he buzzes me around, Graham. And <clears throat> when, he, when, he, when he talks, I've, I've made some notes around here. And I'm like, going like this. And I've also drawn a picture, I've also drawn a picture of Lee. <laughs> um, but I was, I was buzzing around and I, I was saying um, in my mind, um, it's, 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 it's Guardiola-esque, isn't it, what he's trying to do? Okay, so I wrote down that Manchester City, you know, are inspired by us. So you talk about the Jack Wilshere goal, but it's not really, is it? It's, it's the Johan Cruyff way of football. It's the Ajax model. It's the Barcelona way that Johan Cruyff took. It's this total, this idea of total football playing out from the back that every player can play in every position. That comes from Ajax. It went through the Barcelona Academy and it's ended up through Cesc Fabregas and now manifesting itself in Pep Guardiola. He's now this guru of modern football. He he was a whippersnapper uh, when Johan Cruyff was teaching and, and running the world of football, and it came over from Ajax. So that, that, that's the facts, that's the system. So it doesn't matter to Pep Guardiola. Really what matters to him is that he's got a number 10 that's, a, uh, that's capable of scoring goals and understanding his position in the team and he's world-class. So you look at uh, Man City, this Wilkin, it's silver. He was, for 18 months, for all, for all the love and the money, he's going to be out the door. Uh, and he, he's back in the team and he's scoring goals. Guandouan last year, for me, probably player of the season, probably won Manchester City the title. Um, you know, uh, before that, uh, Barcelona is, is Lionel Messi in that number 10. Ke Kevin De Bruyne, obviously. So Arsenal's number 10. Uh, what Arteta is trying to do is what he's been taught, what he knows through the Barcelona Academy, through his uh, coaching uh, assistant role at Manchester City. He's trying to get people who can play football, who understand their roles, who don't lose their jewels, who want to buy into his ethos, want to do their jobs, um, pass the team to death and win a game in the last 10 minutes. Or 
attack, 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 and uh, uh, overrule the team and win it in the first 30 minutes. You know, don't very often see Man City uh, going like Liverpool do, go up 3-0 within the first 25 minutes, game done. Man City will just pass, 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 pass. By the end of the game, it's 3-0. And you think, how the fuck did that happen? You don't really know. But they, they wear won. you down. They wear you down. Yes, Harry. That's the because difference. Because they don't give you the ball. So is it easy to play with or without the ball? So this is this is what our team is doing. He's getting players that are comfortable with the ball. And and I, and I believe this is what our team is trying to do. Very, very hard. Takes time. But we have signed players who are comfortable on the ball. So I know it's frustrating, guys, but what are you going to do? <laughs> Dan, let, let me come to you, mate, because Skipster's put this comment in. He says, as the great Super Kev says, he first had to get a team to cross the white line that wanted to play for Arsenal. He has that now. Now, you've been someone who's been particularly fed up with a lot of the players that we've seen at the club over the last few years. Do you feel like now you can get behind the team a little bit more with a, a new look defence, you know, a new look midfield? You know, is it is are you taking kind of positives from that? And do you believe that we can now kind of turn the page and 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 can start to judge Mikel Arteta a little bit more now that we do have pretty much I, I put it in the title a new look Arsenal because when you look at that team that played on Saturday it is a new look Arsenal barring a handful of players. Yeah, and it is a new look Arsenal. And listen, I've always got behind the team. I've just not got behind the the project process or Mikel Arteta's tactics. I've been fed up of them for 20 months. So I gave him a chance. He won the FA Cup and I gave him that season to try and show what he's got. And within the first eight to nine games, I just had enough and said, wow, we are in serious trouble. Um, and it's never really got any better from there. If I'm honest with you, we lost to Villarreal. I was really fed up with some of the players that I wasn't seeing on the pitch and some of the ones that I was. But we have in the last few windows removed some of the dead wood, removed some of the culture that I thought was poor and poisonous. But I'm still seeing the same boring negative football with different players now. So let's hope that changes. I've got to try and be positive because I'm, I've been so negative that I'm getting bored myself of being negative now because it's just the same old stuff I've been saying. But I really want him to show me something different. And I just love to see a style of play. You know, I don't care what you're trying to do. Or not, and nobody on here can tell me what he's trying to do because everyone said something different so far. Though I think he's trying to do this. I think what we're trying to do is this. I don't think he's got the players quite to do this. That's because no one knows what he's trying to do. And I've been so fed up to see that. Now, I talk about the personnel. Um, seven of those players are his signings. And the other players are players that everybody wants to see, like Saka, Smith-Rowe, Pepe, Aubameyang, those type players, Kieran Tierney. I imagine everybody likes them anyway, because I do, and I think they're good enough players. So I look at this team now, and I think this team on paper is definitely good enough to compete with the top six. I don't care what anybody says. None of this 8th, 12th, 11th, 15th, 16th, where we are now, is not good enough. It's underachieving as far as I'm concerned. So I wanted to give him the first six games um, to give me an understanding of has he improved with this side. And so far, it's not happened. We've beaten Norwich. If he beats Burnley, if he beats Tottenham, if he beats Brighton, he's not going to get sacked. But if he draws to Burnley and loses to Spurs, that's enough for me. 
you know, four points in six games is sackable. So not, that's what I'm going to do and judge him. He's, he's not getting sacked, Dan. He's not getting sacked. They, they're giving him £140 million. Um, they're not going to sack him. And, and the, the thing you need to, obviously, as much as I do share your concern about some of the things you've said I agree with, I think the fact is is that, that he's been backed uh, and he's been backed by £140 million in the transfer window. We've got a club now that is run right from the top to the bottom with inexperienced people running it. And, and he he struts around with a certain arrogance as though, to me, he knows he's safe. Uh, and so I think the only thing that he's going to possibly cost him his job will be if the players lose faith in him or there's loads of empty seats in the stadium. Zach Sachs managers. But at the moment, the fans are behind him, and rightly so, I think, because we, you know, we all want to be back in the stadium cheering our team on. And I think the fans have been great in the two home games I've been to. Um, Agreed. And, and I think that... I I see him, him and Edu at the moment. You won't like it, but I see them. I think they know they're safe, and it's going to take. The thing is, it doesn't it doesn't matter what what I like or don't like because I can't get a manager sacked. I can only give opinions and what I believe, and I think this guy we are in a mess with this guy because he's proven to me for twenty months. Whatever team he picks, we can't do it. It doesn't matter whether it's Balogun and Martinelli, Lacazette and Aubameyang, Pepe or Saka or Smith Rowe or Odegaard. We can't create. Then, we can't score. So yeah, that's enough. all I can other, see. But yeah, the other thing you got to remember, I'll just let before Harry comes back in. Is he is, coming in? Graham, are you coming in? Graham? Graham's coming in. I'm coming he's in. Coming in wherever. He's coming in. Whatever. He's coming in. If, if, if you're going to sack him, who out there is better than him? Who realistically we could get? I mean, everyone talks about Conte. That's never happening. There's, you know, I think you've got to be very careful. You know, so you can't with, name me another manager, Graham, that can come in and do better than him now. Was it that we could realistically get? Let's talk about Allegri. Would be my pick of, of realistic choices. But, so you don't think you don't think Ten Hag would leave Ajax and come to Arsenal? You don't think Graham Potter would leave Brighton to come to Arsenal? You don't think that? Somebody like Gasparini from Atalanta would come to Arsenal. You think we've got to get Arteta? And if it's not you, Arteta, we've got Eddie Howe. Do you think, though, for, you mentioned Gasparini. I, I don't see Gasparini coming to England just because he, at this point in his career, he's never done it up until now. Well, I don't think he'll Disneyland. But you mentioned as well. Conte, Brent, if Conte wanted to come to Tottenham, he'd come to Arsenal. What you say, Lee? Mickey Mouse wouldn't leave Disneyland to come for the Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> as well, as well. Yeah, like... he hasn't had his vaccinations, Lee. <laughs> I think, I think, Harry. Sorry, just before you come in, Harry, because I know you're trying to make a point. I just want to finish up on what I'm saying. So, obviously, we say that he's unsackable, and the the board don't want to sack him, and the owners don't care, and blah blah blah. I kind of get that, if I'm honest with you, and I don't think they do care, and that's why my fingers have always pointed at the owners because I never wanted this dude anyway. But trust me, if they can sack Unai Emery, they can sack Mikel Arteta. If it gets as toxic as it did on the end of Unai Emery's era, they will sack Arteta. If we lose to North, if we lose to Burnley and we lose to Tottenham, watch this crowd go nuts and watch Arteta get sacked. He lost the Emery, Emery lost the players down though, didn't he? Emery lost the players. Hmm. Well, I think I, I, he lost the fans as well, Graham. And I'll tell you what, I, what I think is a very good thing at the moment when you turn around and say, oh, the fans are backing Arteta. They're not backing Arteta. I think the fans at the moment are saying, look, do you know what I mean? We're not going to be blamed for if it all goes wrong. Because I, at the end of the day, he could not come out after the game. If we'd have lost that game Saturday and turn around and say, oh, it was a difficult place to play under. The fans were this and the fans were that. The fans were absolutely magnificent on, on, on Saturday. Even when it was getting a little bit tricky, 
You know what I mean? Like they kept faith with it. Come on, Arsenal, come on, Arsenal. He made the substitutions and the whole from the whole 90 minutes, the Arsenal fans were backing the team. They you know, we don't want to be basically bottom of the league. You know what I mean? Like we've had enough of it, like, you know, and I think that that was a real, real good point from the Arsenal fans to do that. I, I, I'm with Dan. I, if, if he loses to, to Burnley and Spurs, the fans will turn. There's no two ways about that. I, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what he says. The worrying thing for me, watching that game on Saturday, if I'm uh, on the board and watching that game, was after 15, 20 minutes, after the initial wave of enthusiasm about everything like that, Arsenal lost their way. They were clueless up until half-time. Absolutely clueless how they were going to break that team down. It was more on hope or a mistake. And I, and that was a big worry for me. It was a big worry for me. like you know, And it really didn't change until he made the substitutions. And I'll give him credit for that. He made the substitutions and it made a difference. Just when the fans were just starting to, I don't say turn, but they were just getting a little bit anxious. And the substitutions turned it and it was, you know, and listen, that goal, people say, people have gone, oh, look at all the Arsenal fans going mad over because we scored against Norwich. You know what I mean? One, we, you know, we're, we're, don't matter who you're playing against, you're going to go mad when you score. I don't, well, I don't know why people are digging that out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they criticise us for not having an atmosphere. And then when we score a goal, they criticise us. So, do you know what? Two fingers up to all the critics and everything <laughs> like that. At the end of the day, yeah, it was a, was a good atmosphere when we scored. And two, there was a bit of relief in, in that celebration when we scored. You know what I mean? Like, there was relief that we'd, we'd, we'd scored. You know what I mean, and then uh, and then old Mike Bean got involved, and I bet he was I bet he was smashing on the, the old desk when he like, oh no, I've got to give it, I've got to give it. Got to give it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like uh, ultimately, I, what I look at it and, and say is that you know it was great from the fans; they really backed the team and everything like that. But I also that I really do think that shows them people up in the ball. Look, we're we're going to back this team, but ultimately don't fail us. And, and I think that, you know, Mikel needs to go on a run now. He really does. And I think that he, I think that he will. Just a couple of points on the whole, you know, whether he's going to get sacked or not thing. I agree that if he doesn't get results against Burnley, Tottenham, Brighton, then obviously, you know, it's, it's perfectly justified to, to call for his head. There's no doubt about that. You know, we would be at a point in the season where we just haven't seen enough. And so as a fan, I would feel that way for sure. But when we talk about him being backed, and, and Graham mentions the, the 140, 150 million pounds, it's not just that in which they've backed him. If you think about some of the other things they've done during his time at the club, they paid off Mesut Ozil. They paid off Shkodran Mustafi. They paid off Socrates. They've backed him when he's binned off some of the club's supposed promising young talent, Matteo Genduzzi. They backed him in his decision to say William Saliba, despite us spending nearly £30 million, is not part of the plan at the moment. They've backed him in so many other ways than just financially that I just find it so difficult to, to get my head around isn't that more justifiable, them. Harry? Isn't it more justifiable than to say, listen, we've done everything for you. We've been over backwards here. We've got rid of players. We've got rid of players that were young, that we, we thought were going to have a future, but you didn't want. And you're still not getting results. Like, when is it? Does, you know, does he have to lose another 10 games in a row to get sacked when, here like this? When, as he said, he's going to get results by. This is, a, yeah. this, is the, this is another point that I was about to make. When you think about when Unai Emery came in, okay, manager came in with a two-year contract. Unai Emery's remit and the job, from what I understand, was 
get Arsenal back into the Champions League now, straight away. That was the job that Unai Emery was tasked with. Okay, he missed out in the first season. He was very unfortunate. you got to be honest. He made a couple of cock-ups at the back end of that season. But he was unfortunate. We missed out by a point. I believe, and, and people are going to start having a go at me about this, but I believe that when the club hired Mikel Arteta, they were prepared to give him this extra bit of time. They were prepared to give him this leeway that, Unai Emery didn't have. And that's why when people try and compare the two and they say, well, Unai Emery got sacked for less, I agree. But I think Unai Emery was in a different, you know, it was a different job description. I think now with with Mikel Arteta, you're in a place where I'm looking at it on Saturday and I was actually excited to go to the game on Saturday because I knew I was going to see a new look Arsenal. Somebody asked me today to describe in one word Arsenal's performance. And I said it was committed wasn't perfect, but it was committed. That was not a, an 11 players on the pitch that didn't want to play for Mikel Arteta on Saturday. I mean, I think we can all agree on that. So the frustration is that I think it's starting now, but the frustration is it should have started a year ago. So we, we have every right to be pissed off that it's taken this long. But I think in the club's eyes now, now it's kicking off. Now it's beginning. Rightly or wrongly, I think that's how they see it. And that's why I agree with Graham that I don't think he's going anywhere. I think you see, think like even... you said, it's, it's, a, it's a modern trend, isn't it? You see clubs are terminating contracts on players. Like Arsenal seemed to start it, didn't they? For me, I think, you know, Arsenal, like cancelling Ozil and uh, Klaas and that, uh, you know, all, all these players with his... Uh, um, you know, uh, Socrates and stuff like that. They've, they've got rid of their contracts. And now you see other clubs are saying, oh, let's terminate their contracts, you know, with uh, the, the 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 guy at Spurs who we've been linked with, God help us, uh, and stuff like that. So lots of other clubs, uh, um, I think Mourinho did it with one of his problem players in Roma. Just bang, here you go. Here's your, here's your last year of your contract. Out you go. Um, it, it's unprecedented times. And so... I know Arteta seems like he's had a long time. We have to do have to remember. I know everything's getting blamed with COVID and everyone's bored to shit with COVID, but it was a major thing financially and it's made a massive difference to plans. When you're talking about billion, billion pound companies, it has affected the time scale and what we're doing. And I know we as fans, football fans, want to see what's happening on the pitch. But finances do play a major, major role in high-end entertainment, elite-level sports. And that's a fact, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah the, other, the other point I wanted to just bring in uh, is uh, around what I was trying to say was they've backed him for £145 million. He's had £200 million, Harry, hasn't he, in two years since he's been in the club. So the Cronkies, whatever you think about him, have backed him. Um, and I think now with his players, his players, you know, it is his team. So if they were to sack him, they're bringing another manager who want to possibly not want to work with these players. So I think that's another reason why they're going to keep him in the short term. It's going to have to go really horribly wrong, I think, for them to get rid of him. That's how I feel. Can Do you guys share the view that I've got? So when I watched that Edu interview, I don't know what you guys thought, but kind of trying to read between the lines of that interview, I felt as though this is more Edu's project than it is Mikel Arteta's and that the, the recruitment strategy is in a way geared to work or, or is hopefully going to work regardless of whether Mikel Arteta exactly. is the boss or not. 
Exactly. And that's how it should be, Harry. If you've got mm. a director of footballing, what's the point of having a director of footballing? Who's going to go and get the players? If you, you know, what, what they do now and what Arsenal have done is that, you know, it's only, you know, like, what's it for other clubs? I think uh, other, other teams have got all their infrastructure in and all that. Like, if, if Edu leaves, only a couple, uh, sorry, if uh, Arteta leaves, there's only a couple of coaches that go. There are coaches in there that are working for the club as well, right? You know, so that, that, that someone will come in and it won't be such a uh, a big trend, big, big overhaul of things, you know. So it would be a smooth um, thing that comes in. A little bit like Chelsea. Chelsea sack a lot of their players. Only one or two come in um, from, from their thing. They can't bring a whole load in because it, it, it'd just be too, too, it just wouldn't work. So they just say, right, well, you know, you keep this from whatever. So I do think that there's that. And I, listen, you know, I'm sorry if Mikel was to look, look, listen. If if and I, and I tell you, if he's just saying, oh, he's not sackable. If Arsenal would, you know, worst scenario, go and lose to Burnley, Tottenham, uh, Crystal Palace, and Aston Villa, right? And they don't sack him. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that would be a horrendous decision from the club because you're basically saying, well, if you can't get any points against those teams, you're basically saying you're going to real relegation battle and we don't care. You know, I think he, he will get points in those games. Let's be honest. Oh, that, I think that he will, Mark. Yeah, of course he will. Because, But if he doesn't, he'd be gone, mate. And rightly For sure. No, absolutely, I agree with you. If he doesn't, he'll be gone. But we... We're not there, are we? Do you know what I mean? No, you've got to wait. You've got Come to, on, well, I think the Arsenal fans, Mark, are getting behind him. Yeah. And, and rightly so. I think the atmosphere against Burnley... I think Burnley are in trouble this year. I yeah, think I think Burnley, Burnley could be in trouble. Burnley are seriously in trouble this year. Uh, and I think we go up there, get a result, and I think that will compound the problems that they're having. They can't and get it may... No, and I have done for many, many, many years and the uncertainty around the American owners and whether Stephen Dyche, uh, Sean Dyche is going to get a new contract. I think it's bubbling under. It's going, to, it's going to come back to bite them like it did Mike Ashley and Rafa and all the rest of it. So, But uh, just just to touch on that, sorry to jump in, but, you know, uh, we will get points in those games. Mikhail Arteta is not getting sacked in, in the next... In the next, before Christmas, he he will still be with us in Christmas. He will still get this January window. I still believe there's a couple of players in that squad, like he wanted to get out. We know El Nini was close with uh, Fenerbahce, Galatasaray, the Turkish links. We know that there was offers coming in. We didn't let him go. Don't don't get don't, don't get it twisted. We wanted to let him go. Of course, all of us as fans want to see him go and someone better be in there. But until that player's in, he's not going. Do you know what I mean? Like we've always said. Dan's always said, I want this, I want Jacker out, this, that and the other. Of course he does. Of course we all do. But only when we've got a replacement in, in place. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? We all know. El Nidhi is the same, uh, uh, and Klasenach oh, no, is another one. Tearing her out. But where did we start? Come on, guys. Where, where, how long have we been doing these pods together? 18 months? I mean, the list used to be like boom, 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 didn't it? It was like this. Yeah. Now, where are we? Three, four left in the squad. We won out. And that's why we got no, that's why he's got no excuses, Mark, for me. That's why he's got no excuses. This is his team. We can't be, you know, oh, it's not got the players. He ain't got the players. Well, how many more does he need? He's had yeah, loads of transfer windows. So he's got one hand. Two or three. On the one hand, though, Dan, on the one hand, you can't say he's got no excuses now, but then 
completely overlook the fact that he's had to move out so many players, like Mark said. Surely that buys him more time, the fact that he's had to deal with that, rather than saying, well, now it's his team he has to deliver right now. I feel like the fact that there's been such a big player turnover has not been helpful. But you look at the situation there, Harry, and I think that we have all been... It's, it's like you can't win then, isn't it? Because it's like this team's not good enough, but now he needs more time for to get them to gel. Like, it, it's... it's, it's I just, I just see there's, there's just more excuses now for me. It's just like, oh, but the reason we've lost is because he hasn't had time to get these players to gel. He hasn't had them in yet. There's always something, isn't there? There's always like, a, but he needs this, he needs this. I didn't see this with other managers. I saw this, we come fifth and everyone wanted people to go. And then Uno Emery lost the dressing room, so he needed to go. We didn't give him more time to get the players in to, to remove the culture with Uno Emery, did we? Because it was like, no, nope, get yeah, him out, he's that... not good enough. But with this guy, it's like, nah, he is good enough. He just needs to be given three or four seasons, like Jurgen Klopp, and then he bides more time, and we see where we are in four years' time when we're playing in the Championship. I just, I, honestly, I cannot see where we're going with this manager. And if I did, I would be more than willing to give him some time to say, do you know what? I've seen him implement a style. I've seen him remove culture. I've seen him bring brilliant players in. I've seen us creating chances. We're only losing 2-1 to Man City. We're not getting spanked 5-0. Against Chelsea, we didn't get bullied. Lukaku hardly touched the ball. Against Brentford, we looked like we were going to beat them 3 or 4-0. No, every single game, spanked by Man City, bullied by Lukaku, bullied by Tony, bullied and looked like Stoke from 2010, in my opinion, from Brentford. It was like, we going forwards here or backwards? And now we finally see all the players that we want to see on the pitch and we scrape over the line against Norwich and everyone's like, give him time? No, 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 no that's, not, not, that's not what I'm man. saying, though. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, I said it earlier on, I feel like it begins now and it shouldn't begin now. It should have begun a year ago. But I do think that the points Mark made are, are valid in that part of the reason it's taken so long to get to this point is because he has had to do all of those things you've mentioned. Get rid of players, change the culture, etc., etc. I'm not even saying that, you know, he. I'm not saying he deserves loads of time now. OK, now it's now or never for Mikel Arteta. There's no yeah. doubt about it. All I'm saying is that I would have I wish that we were at this point a year ago. And we probably should have been at this point a year ago. But I do think that there are reasons that have contributed to that. Not reasons that have dictated that, but reasons that have contributed to that. And I think sometimes, you know, I could go back to that point about Unai Emery. Unai Emery was brought in with a very, very different remit. It was come in, get us in the Champions League tomorrow because you are an experienced manager with... Uh, look, I, I said, I think I said this to you, Dan, the other week. Henrik Mkhitaryan and Alex Iwobi in their four seasons under Unai Emery produced more outputs than Bukayo Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe. Why? Why? So, why? Why, why do you think because, that was? Why? Because they're seasoned professionals and they're not kids. That's so, why. So, so, so why, why do you think... Nothing the, to do with the playing style. Harry, Harry What's why that? do you think the remit has changed with Arteta then? Why do you think they've gone with a different route now of giving him time? What because, has changed then? Because I think that they've realised that there is a, a much bigger overhaul is needed. I think they've looked at it as owners and gone, in order for us to get back into the top four, we can go one of two routes. The first route is to throw tons of money at it and do it that way, which they haven't done. They've thrown some money at it. But when you look at our investment over the last few years in comparison to cities, to Chelsea's, to Manchester United's, we're nowhere near them. OK, so 
uh, there was that route or there is the rebuild from scratch route. And like all the other models that the Cronkies have with their NFL teams, etc., where they appoint young new coaches and they give them time to develop, they've decided to take that route. So whether me or Dan or Lee or Mark or you, Graham, thinks that Mikel Arteta should go now, that's irrelevant because it, in the Cronkies' eyes, this is something that they are willing to and prepared to give time to. They weren't prepared to give time to Unai Emery. And that's where the two jobs differ, in my opinion. So you know, now what we want to see is them starting to make progression now. Got yeah. the result against Norwich. We now yeah. got to build on that. If he doesn't build on that, that's the word, Lee. Progress. Can you name any other big club? Can you name any other big club that would go down this route then? Because no. While we're stagnating, all the big clubs are getting stronger. We're never going to catch them up, are we? Have we then conceded then that we're no longer a big club? That we're no, I, well, I, I certainly ain't because I'm telling you that now. Over the next five games, <laughs> I want to see massive improvement. If I don't, he goes. No, no, I, I think some yeah, fans have, though. I think some yeah, fans have, I know Brent. you ain't judge, but I'm just, I'm just going by what Harry said. Harry's well, sort of well, like well, saying they, they, they want to rip the model up. It's true, is it? At the end of the day, that, Harry's coming out with a with an a, with an opinion that that you know I mean uh, which is fair enough and I, I you know if it but I'm I'm sorry I'm not going to buy into that. We would I'm have to spend two two I'm not buying into. No, it. I'm not either though. I'm not either. No, I'm no, not. You're not. I'm just I don't saying, want I'm it either. You're putting it from the Cronkies' point of view. Yeah, I'm trying to look at it from there. All the fans buy buy into it. Uh, buy the game against Tottenham. If we don't beat Tottenham, they won't be buying into it. Because I'll tell you what, there's a lot of fans, we were all there on on, on, on Saturday, that despite winning, weren't happy about it. But obviously, we're going to let it go because they won. You know what I mean? And rightly so. But I'll tell you what, if they don't go and get a performance against Burnley, and they don't go against, and get a performance against Tottenham and a win, I am telling you that now, Cronkies or not, no money or no whatever, the fans are not going to take it. Because I tell you what, I'm not going to have it. I'm not waiting. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll, go, I'll go straight back up and say, if that's the case, give me my money back now. I don't want to. I, I, I don't want a season ticket here for, for mediocre no more. I've had five, six, seven years of it. Right? I don't want it no more. You know what I mean? They've spent 140 million pound. Right, not 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 to be in a relegation battle no more. They want it, and, and you know, if if you're an owner, you want returns on that, and I think that they will. And these people ain't mugs. Preach it, man. Preach it. I'm with you 100. percent It's a piss in the ocean, though. 140 million pounds. Let's be, let's be realistic, right? Talk about spending 140 million pounds. It is a piss in the ocean. It is right. I just had a bit of cheese. Just had a bit of brew. <laughs> I just got a little bit of No, listen, Lee, right? 140 million pounds is a piss in the ocean to where they are in that league, right? Manchester United have just spent what two, three hundred million pounds on a contract for Ronaldo. No, but Lee, we left Highbury to go to the Emirates to compete with Manchester United and we've fucking been left behind. Why, <laughs> why? Why are they spending £300 million on a contract for one player for fucking two years or whatever it is and we've spent £150 million on four youth they players. They're going to get that money back, Mark. They're, they're, it's where they're... we are, Lee. It's where we are with these owners. It's where we are. Of course. We've lost, we lost David Luiz. We've lost... Um, We've lost William, we've lost fucking Klasenac, we've, we've lost Ozu, we've lost Mustafi, all these international players. We've, we've, we've said, no, we don't want you, 
at what we've what, done. What, 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 what we've done. What we've done is we've taken a value. We've taken a value. We've taken a value about two hundred million pounds for a year. I I am going to accept for a year. That I'm not going to challenge in Man United and all that. Like, a year, what one I'm, year, what I, what one year. Season, is that all it's going to take to catch Man United? No, no, no Dreamland, man. Five this years year, it will take to catch year, them. If I'm we spend three hundred million pound a year, we're am, light not, years behind them. Light years. Not, no, no, we're not eight years behind them. Not at the end we of the day, are. I'm competing. <laughs> I am competing this season with Leicester, Tottenham, and teams like that. No, I'm not even interested in the top four this season. Once we get into Europe next season, that is the that is the minimum that we should be getting for is the Europa League, and then the following season, I expect us to be challenging for top four. End of. And if you if he no, can't listen, do listen, that and can't listen, deliver that, get someone. Our in club end. is light years away from the top four. Face well, well, right? No, because they're run by a bloody owner who wants success, who invests in the bloody system, the squad, the training facilities. They've got a they've got a transfer policy that works for their manager. They've got one of the best managers in Europe. Get people in (laughs) instead of worrying about Mikel Arteta and this and this and that. Get people in that can do that. Stop (laughs) saying, "Oh, we don't want to do this and don't want to do that." Other teams are doing it. Get the they, right people in to do it. And if it's not Mikel Arteta, I don't want all this I'll wait another six months. If you're not good enough, get the you know out of my club and get someone in that can. Get someone else that can run the club from, a, from sense, a transfer Lee market judges. properly. That's what I want. Do you, someone like Leicester yeah. can do it. And let's face it, they're not spending 140 million. But, they've not spent 200 million in the last two no, years. No, they've spent about four billion. Four billion pound in the last ten years. They're they were Leicester. languishing. They were languishing in the Championship League. No, but Leicester, Leicester, Leicester have, right. Leicester have I mean? sold well. Leicester have sold well, and that's why they've been able to spend. Yeah, but I'd like to see well, their balance. Well, I'd like right to see team. them. I'd like to see their balance sheet from the day that uh, tax took over their their club from the moment they are now. Do you know what I mean? Where, where they were with their income in the Championship to where they are now. You know what I mean? It's, it's it's easy to say. I I do think I do think it. I I, I agree with what Lee's saying. Right? We need to be. There needs to be. But West Ham have yeah. done that. Then have they? They've spent like loads of money and all that. Like they're in the Europa League last season. They're in the Europa League this season. They're the teams we've got to be competing with this season. You're telling me that West Ham are a better run club than us? They shouldn't have, be. Have, have West Ham ever finished above us? Yes. When? This season. Last oh, season. Uh, once in 400 years. The, the point is, guys... You know the, I mean? so it's a drop in the ocean, man, isn't it? No, nah, the, the, the point... Unless they've come above us, not that many times. Exactly. So, the point is, though, the point is like, we're on, not that far away, are we? The, the point is that we're, we're sitting here talking about Leicester, right? But Leicester haven't managed to do it in the last couple of years. They've missed out on the top four both times. So... The point here is that I think that it is much more difficult to get in the top four now than it was 10 years ago because because Manchester City, Chelsea, Liverpool are extremely well run. There's only two places up for grabs, Harry. I I don't even think there's two up for grabs at the moment. I I honestly think that the top four is nailed on Man City, Chelsea, Man United, Liverpool in whatever order. And, And that for me means that you know, not that we shouldn't aspire to budgets. get there. But... Look at their budget, yeah, but... sorry. Yeah, but Liverpool's budget is not 
dramatically more than ours. How much have Liverpool spent this year? Oh, they only bought one centre half in, didn't exactly. they? Cognate for forty million. Yeah. That's but it. that is, they've got an exceptional coach because of their they team. Sold well of their team, and they brought the right yeah. players in. So oh, come on, they've spent a lot more than us in the last five years. Let's be real. No, they haven't. I don't think they have. Well, they, that, well, no, because no, they've sold well. Yeah, but we we can't sell. That's part of the football. That's part oh, of no. business. Mm. No, but anyway, let's let's move it on just for the final part, Graham. Um, I know you wanted to throw a little bit of a debate into the show today, so I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you introduce it and uh, and tell it us what it is that we're going to be discussing. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Harry. Um, what we thought we'd do on uh, the pod uh, every week is sort of like throw in a debate, a Guna debate. And tonight's subject is I've chosen is is the Arsenal midfield better without Granite Jacker in it? Yes. Next one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Harry, do you want to start the defence? Yeah, go on. I'll start the defence. So my opinion on Granit Xhaka has always been that he is not the worst player in the Arsenal team and he's not the biggest problem. And there has been way too much focus on Granit Xhaka when actually other areas, other people needed, you know, needed addressing first. Now, my frustration with the whole Granit Xhaka situation right now is, do I think that Arsenal should have kept Granit Xhaka this summer? If we were going to play the way we played last season, Graham, with the 4-2-3-1 and Granit Xhaka as the man that drops into the back line when Kieran Tierney bombs forward and just sits in front of that defence, then I would have kept him because £12 million or whatever it was that Roma put on the table was not acceptable. We were going to have to triple that to go and bring somebody else in. And obviously the club took the decision that, you know, it was it was easier to keep him and, and whatever. What my issue is now, though, and, and obviously the situation has slightly changed for me, is because I look at the Arsenal team now and I look at how we've started this season and we've seen the Arsenal midfield at least try to push a lot further up the pitch. We saw this really aggressive press at the start of the game on Saturday. And if you're going to ask Granit Xhaka to do that, then that is a disaster waiting to happen, in which case you shouldn't have kept him. So for me, it's bad planning because either you keep the player because he fits in your system and and he's going to be a useful person. But I just think Arteta and Arsenal have bottled it and in this situation now because they clearly had a plan to move to a more aggressive press, push the midfield higher up the pitch. And it's clear as day that Granit Xhaka doesn't fit that. But they were scared of, of losing him, scared of not of losing him and then not going out and replacing him and what the backlash would be and scared of losing a bit more experience from the side. So I feel like Arsenal have bottled it on this one, given what I've seen tactically from us at the start of the season. So is our midfield better with Granite Jacket in it? Yes or no? If we're gonna if we're gonna press teams and that's the plan, like we've seen at the start of this season, then it's better without him. If we're gonna drop off like we did last season and he's gonna tuck into the back line, then it's better with him. So uh, have, the, we, have we have we have we ever been better with him in it? I'll, I'll, I'll throw some stats to you out there. He's been at Arsenal four years. We've never been in the top four. That's not okay. his fault. That's not down to Granite Xhaka, though, is it? Well, no, I, I, I hate that that's stat. One, that's one stat. That, uh, mm-hmm. No one's been sent off more at Arsenal Football Club since he's been here than Granite Xhaka. Yeah. Number two. Yeah, but again, all right. So, okay, let me respond num- to the num- stats. Num- the first three, one. No, no midfielders made more mistakes leading to a goal in our club since he's been here than Granite Xhaka. Oh, I love this. So, this so, is brilliant. So, 
That Dan's work here is done, isn't it, Graham? Yeah, Karen, I don't Graham, need to talk. It? I don't need to talk. Just keep going, Graham. Just keep going. <laughs> well, first of all, stat number one about Granite well, Jacker. Listen, listen. Before we come back on that, what is the strength of Granite Jacker? Now, I, I, I will say that in we saw in the Euros how good he is in uh, uh, international level and slower style football. He'd be great in an Italian league. I know you watch the Italian league. You love the Italian league. Now, when he first came to Arsenal, his strength was actually the way he used to ping the ball from side to side. Now, is it not a, a detriment of how Granit Jacker is now seen at the football club that he's great quality now, he can shift across to a left-hand side hybrid role and just sort of like fit in while Tierney bombs up the left. So the one strength that he had was he could play a pass, a diagonal pass across the pitch. If he's sitting on the left-hand side all the time, just fitting in, that's his one strength gone, isn't it? We know he's immobile. We know he's indisciplined. We know he's not athletic. But the one strength he had was passing from side to side. And yet we don't use him in the strength, do we? Also, he's the detriment to the midfield generally in that because he's so slow and he can't recover his position, that puts pressure on Thomas Party. What I'm worried about is Thomas Party has to cover so much ground because Granite Jacker can't. That's going to lead to injuries for Thomas Party. So... I'm struggling to understand how we're strong, we're stronger with Granite Jacker in our, in our midfield. Uh, and I can't, for the life of me, understand Edu's comment. And you're a journalist, Harry, you would have heard this. When he turned around and said, we did not want to buy another midfielder because we got Granite Jacker and Thomas Party. Mm -hmm. That, to me, told me everything, that we're going nowhere. Because our midfield, when you look at our midfield compared to other midfields, look at Chelsea. They've got, the midfield they got, they still went out and loaned the player from Atletico Madrid. They've got like Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic uh, in their midfield. Um, look at the strength of Man United's midfield, uh, Man City's midfield. So we... Yeah, but you're, you're comparing us to two clubs that we can't compete with. No, so you're I, always going to be disappointed. I'm just making the point that we needed we needed more strength. But they see Jacker as part, all of a sudden, this high press you talked about they want to play. How can they play it with, with Jacker? It's like it's so, like comparing Vanessa Feltz and Kelly Brook, though, isn't it? Like you're always going to be disappointed if you look at Chelsea and Man City's midfield and you say we should have done that or we should have done this. Like, first of all, the thing about that, some of those stats, I never knew like, you fancied Vanessa Feltz, mate. No, no, she's, she's more your type, mate. She's who more doesn't? Your type. Who doesn't? <laughs> she's more your type. She but no. a bit of cheese, Mark. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I a woman. But no, like the the first stat about. Arsenal not being in the Champions League since Granite Xhaka come, right? Arsenal, everybody waxes lyrical about Kieran Tierney all the time. Greatest left back we've had in years. We ain't been in the Champions League with him either. That I can manipulate that stat for so many players. Yeah, but Granite Xhaka's been here four or five years. Yeah, now. but I, I can manipulate... Yeah, but yeah. how many is Tierney? Three? I can manipulate that stat to any player that's in the current squad right now, pretty much. That's my point. Okay, so that that's one that people just throw at Granite Xhaka. What was the other one? Sorry, the second one. Most red cards and most errors leading to most red cards. Most red cards. How many red cards did Patrick Vieira get? Nobody used to say no, that. No, I, think, I, think the, so, I think the difference. The difference with Patrick Vieira though is is that he when was a you good were player. Patrick, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not comparing player. the two players. I'm, I'm not but comparing Patrick, the two players. Patrick, but... I mean, Granite Jacker doesn't do enough on the football pitch, so you can feel. Okay with him being sent off, does he? I mean, Patrick Vieira did enough on a football pitch. If he ever got sent off, um, you took it, didn't you? You understood it because no, the, the he, point he had. Graham, 
You've asked us the question, is our midfield better with Granite Jacker in it or not? <clears throat> I'm guessing you're saying it is. I'm saying it's not. I think our midfield is oh. worse with Granite I, I think oh. we need we. I, 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 I'm, <laughs> no, I was just saying. Oh, I thought you were it's, it's, it's not. It's not about comparing Jack and Vieira. It's not about comparing Jack and anyone. Well, don't point, do that because that won't end well. Will it? No, no, no. The point I'm trying to make is that you can, if you look hard enough, you can find a stat or something like that that can make your point of view. We're right. going to do ask, just, you, do you know ask um, you know in the next couple of weeks because Granit Xhaka is coming straight back against Spurs. Yeah, right? and we're now. I was going to say know, this. We're now in a couple of weeks' time, and uh, if if you want my answer now, I, I, I I'm I'm with Harry. Stats can come up against it and all that. Like I I, I think it's time to move on from Granit Xhaka. But again, the manager's not done that, so it's on the manager. Ain't on Granit Xhaka for me. It's on the manager. So would you rather now have? Twelve million pounds in the bank because it was too late to sign somebody else. It the, the the deal couldn't manifest. We couldn't get what we wanted. We you know we we were pressing for Tammy Abraham. We didn't have the funds in the bank. We were trying to move Eddie uh, or Lacker out the door to get Tammy Abraham in. That was uh, very well reported. We were very keen on that, and um, we kept trying to stall, stall, stall. But in the end, Tammy had to go out the door. And and it was it was like with Granite, we were trying to move him on, but only if we could hold on to something else coming in the other way. And it didn't manifest itself. So what what would you rather have? Twelve million pounds in the bank for I'd January. And you'd rather have him not in this one. I, I, not I, I, available. I, I, agree, I, agree with Dan. I, would, I would agree with Dan, I'd take the money. Yeah, yeah I'd have taken the money. I'd take the money. That's fine. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I'd rather have. I'll tell you what I'd rather have. Granny Jacker out, out the door for £12 million and Edouard from Celtic for £16 million in the door. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, though, that's the uh, thing. Chris, he's gone to Crystal Palace. How have oh, we lost that? that, that? How have, again, that's another that's another, another one's podcast so, 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 of players so we've missed out on. But when it comes to... Harry, yeah, so Harry's, Harry's put the case for he thinks uh, Granny Jacker... No, I'm not even. Well, I'm not even saying that he makes our midfield better at this moment in time. I've, I'm saying that if we're going to play the way we played against Norwich, the way we started the game against Chelsea, then Granit Xhaka is not the right man for that midfield. And I would have taken the money because I said throughout the summer that actually the the relationship between Arsenal and Granit Xhaka for me just needs to end because it's it's, it's for those exact reasons because people reel off stats that make him look bad at every opportunity when. Actually, if you look at the, the biggest disappointment of our season last season was against Villarreal in the Europa League, right? And that was because, largely because, we moved Granit Xhaka out of our midfield to put him at left-back to compensate for a cock-up that the manager made, allowing our backup left-back to go out on loan when we had nobody else. So we isolated Granit Xhaka in a position he simply can't play in. We lost him from the most important part of our team, the centre of midfield, and we got picked off and we got beaten in, in the most important which is another reason why which is the main reason why Mikel Arteta should have been sacked after we lost to Villarreal but let me have my say on this Chaka thing right so Granite Chaka you, you know Graham's brought up stats and stuff which to be fair it, it, it makes me smile when I hear those stats but let's be honest the one thing that we kind of half touched on which I don't think we touched on enough here is athleticism the athleticism even against Norwich was clear to see Granite Chaka does not move and he never has moved but Maitland-Niles is athletic. 
Lukonga, Party, they all move. And that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see Basuma because although he's an anchor, he's got mobility, he can, he's athletic, he can do a lot more than what Granite Chaka can do. And the sideways and backwards passing that Graham mentions has always been there. It's like El Nenny, he's exactly the same. So when I see Lukonga passing forward and Maitland-Niles trying to drive and Party going box to box, that's what I envisioned our midfield always wanting to be. Gilberto Silva and Patrick Vieira are the best two that I've seen in my era going backwards and forwards two pivots of the engine in midfield and we haven't really seen that at all since that's gone so I want to try and see that now and I think Party and Basuma and for now Party and Lokonga is going to do that so that's why I think we're better without Granite Chaka now I'm not denying the fact that he was not the the only problem in the Arsenal side and he was one of the problems that I reeled off that was probably five or six when Granite Chaka was there last season. And I openly said, I think to Harry and to a lot of you, that he probably probably had his best game in an Arsenal shirt. Don't know what happened there. My signal went, I think. Um, he probably had the best game in an Arsenal uh, season in an Arsenal shirt. But what I will say is that it's time to move on. And it has been since he threw that armband down and told the crowd to F off. That was, for me, the time when we needed to just part ways and forget about what was happening. He wasn't happy with the fans. The fans weren't happy with him. And he should have been allowed to go to her to Berlin. But this manager begged him to stay. So I'm with Lee. It's on Arteta. Then he nearly went to Roma. He was flirting with Jose Mourinho, saying he was pretty happy to go to Italy after the Euros, blah, blah, blah. Had a good game against France. And all of a sudden, he was player of the tournament. When I didn't think he was, I thought he was good that game. And then he come back and it's like, wow, we're actually going to keep this guy in our midfield. And then that was why our transfer window, I thought, was underwhelming. Because all of us wanted a Basuma or a Kessier or a Samare or a Sangare to come in that midfield and be that beast and pivot next to Thomas Party. And we never got that. So let's hope Lokonga is going to be that guy. Because I've been impressed with him and I do not think he deserves to be dropped. But we'll see against the, in the North London derby against Spurs, Granite Chaka next to Thomas Party. And then we're going to see it a lot longer until he gets suspended or injured again. Do you ever not wonder, though, why Arsene Wenger, Unai Emery and now Mikel Arteta like this guy? Do you ever sit... has got good mentality, clearly. Do you ever sit back and think, hold on, I might, there might be something that I as a fan am missing here for him to be constantly in the side? I don't know what I am missing. <laughs> no one can tell me. Because no one can tell me what he's amazing at that I, we are definitely going to miss if Granite Chaka is not in this midfield. And if we did, I'd say fair enough. So mentality's there. And I've said it before and I've made jokes about it. It's okay being liked around the place and good around the place and good for mentality because that's what the Gunasaurus Rex is. But I wouldn't want him in the centre midfield. Yeah, We have to look at what Granite Chaka is not good at. And there are things that other players are better than currently, in my opinion. I would have Lokonga and I'd have Maitland-Niles for the pure fact that they have athleticism and they can go forward and be more comfortable, in my opinion, uh, moving forward into this team. And that's my, that's my debate and that's why I would have Granit Xhaka nowhere near this side moving forward. You say one thing, Harry. You, you say there that uh, all those managers liked him, but Arteta did want to move him on. So why did they bring him back then uh, and give him the extension in the contract? I get the thing about they didn't want to just uh, take a, a price they didn't think he was worth. But why give him an extension on his contract and a pay rise? We must have missed out on someone, Harry. Yeah, I think I think Arsenal probably did look at moving him on and did look at bringing someone else in and couldn't do it and decided that that was the the thing to do at that time. But th listen, the thing for me and and listen, I've always said this. 
I don't think Granit Xhaka is the best midfielder in the world. I don't think he's the answer for Arsenal. You liar! No, no, I don't. <laughs> I genuinely don't. I just, I just get, I just get frustrated when, well, when I, when I hear this narrative. No, there, there, there is a narrative towards him. I mean, we've just said that Thomas Partey got injured last season because Granit Xhaka doesn't cover ground. But what is there to back that up? Thomas Partey's fitness last season was atrocious. That Why are we pinning that on? Like, it's, everything is on Granit Xhaka. And well, it I missed out crazy. on my Saturday afternoon Tesco shop last <laughs> weekend. And I'm pretty sure it's because Granit Xhaka took my slot. <laughs> and, and, and we've got like stuff in the chat like Michelle says that's not what Edu said Harry when are people going to understand that Edu is not going to air the club's dirty laundry and tell you everything in the interviews like when are people going to get their heads around that some stuff stays internal there are some things we will never know as fans and that's the way it should be that is the way it should be and I, I just get Who's, who's left to speak on it? Uh, Lee, have you Lee, Lee, Lee hasn't decided whether he wants Xhaka or No, I've, I've said what I've said. I think the, our midfield will be better without him. I, I see I see both sides of it. I see that there's um, there are fours with, you know, if Granite Xhaka... Listen, Granite, I think Granite Xhaka is not as bad as what everybody makes out of it. Prove that in... in um, Thanks in, for your opinion, in, Lee. That's lovely. In the Euros. He's just not suited to the Premier League. And that is it. Nice. You know, you uh, agree, totally agree with what Dan said. You've got to have that little bit more mobility. He's probably a better midfield player than uh, Sambi at the moment. And he's probably a better midfielder than Maitland-Niles will ever be. But he hasn't got the energy and the um, physique of... of uh, those two guys, and that's that's as simple as where I sound it. Like you know, he's a yard too slow for the Premier League. He'll be captain for Roma League, will he? He'd be, he'd be, he'd be think, start you know out there, he, out he, there, twenty nine years he, old. Oh he'd my the, word! He'd, he'd run the game, wouldn't he? Out there, Lee, you know that. In lads, Harry knows, lads, 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 lads. Andros Townsend has just scored an absolute screamer for Everton. And they're two one up. They've come from a goal down against Burnley, and they are two one up. What Burnley a goal! You're in trouble. What wow. a goal! Early in trouble this year, I think. Right. right. So I think I think that's it then. I think we can conclude then, Harry, that uh, yep. on the vote, even yourself, you sat on the fence a bit. I think we are a better midfield without Granite Jackers. I don't so, think... I think we're a better midfield without Granite Jacker if we're going to play the four three three and and the aggression, the aggressive press. Then yeah, I, I agree with you. So are we a better are we a better midfield if we're not then? No. Not if we, if we play the way we played in the second half of last season with the double midfield pivot, then then I think we're better with Granite Xhaka. <laughs> no, I do. I, I do. Because Lokonga is is still is still developing. You know, Maitland-Niles didn't even do enough for me. I don't know why everybody's gushing over Maitland-Niles' performance at the weekend. It was okay. Nothing yeah, more. It was okay. It, it was okay. That was Nothing it. Nothing special. I agree. No, exactly. It was, so it was it, okay. It, That's so it. Is so Mohamed Elneny any better? No. So it, it, it's more down to a lack of options than anything else. But you got to answer the question based on what we have at the club. There's no point in saying oh, we should have got, like, you know, comparing him with Bissouma and Samara and all these yeah. players, Kamavinga. They don't play for Arsenal, do they? We're talking about... No, not yet. Play. Not yet. But we well, have got January and we've got next summer. And we've got... And, our, <laughs> <laughs> and I genuinely believe that Arteta will get January and he will get next summer. Go Everton, 3-1 Everton. My word. Wow. Torn Burnley apart. Rafa right. Benitez, another manager that would be better for us. Yeah, Sorry, I'll I like Rafa. Move I like on. Rafa. He plays more negative football than <laughs> Arteta does. 
Right, guys, we are going to leave it there. It has been an absolute pleasure chatting Arsenal with you guys again. Um, make sure you hit the like button if you haven't done so already. Make sure you subscribe if you're new. Make sure you head over and subscribe to Lee Judge's TV as well. Uh, Judge, do you want to give a little plug for the channel? Um, let people know how they can find it and what they can expect. Yeah, uh, Lee Judge's TV, special guest, Granite Shacker, next week, like, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's your best mate. Yeah. Pro- no, Pro- no, sandwich. You, sat, you, sat, you sat next to him, and you're judging the stadium. Yeah, well, yeah, he's moved up to a box now because of his new contract. They give him a box. Can you believe it, like, you know what I mean? So, there you go. It's just slightly underneath you. Yeah, not only has he got a pay rise, he's got a box as well now, like, you know, so uh, there you go. So, uh, yeah, like, go over to the channel, we're doing all sorts of different content, me and Dan, of course, over there, like, and uh, um, we'll have you guys on, I think it's next week, and it, like, you know, so uh, we, we're going to all turn on this. Um, yeah, all different new content, all coming out all the time. It's going well, guys. Subscribe and like and whatever they do that. And of course, I like that new. I like that new set section half pint with Judge. That's going to be a real killer. That, that, that lasts all night, night. You know, it's a good drinking <laughs> session. <that one. laughs> Graham, how can people follow you on Twitter, mate? Uh, Graham B one nine five Harry. And make sure you check out uh, Graham's brilliant tactical analysis shows over on AFTV as well. Mark, how can people follow you, mate? Don't bother. Just follow you guys. You guys, I'm I'm privileged. (laughs) I'm privileged to be on with you boys, and uh, you know I love listening to your analysis. I'm a fan, really, of all of you. So, yeah, it's a privilege to be on with you. Thank you for having me. Well, you can follow him at thecheeseking.com. What? We're a fan of you, mate. (laughs) Why? Is your world better with me in the midfield or not, Graham? I'd rather have you in the midfield than Granite Jacker. No. Listen, you talk about physicality, I'm a unit. <laughs> Dan, how can people follow you, mate? Yeah, man, uh, at Dan Arsenal 87 on Twitter and Insta. Uh, and me and uh, Lee Judges are over on Lee Judges TV putting out as much content as we can and doing things a little bit different of late, to be fair. It's been quite fun doing some different shows and getting some guests on and different people. We did a great show last night with some funny guests that come on and add their say. So, uh, yeah, please head over, like, and subscribe because we're going to be on here Monday nights, 8 p.m., Lee Judges TV, same as tonight, and then it will go back to Chronicles and then back to Lee Judges TV, and then you've guessed it, back to the Chronicles. So we're going to alternate every week, guys. So, yeah, if you can like and subscribe whoa, to both whoa, channels, that would be amazing. What happened to every third week on the cheese.com? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that off air we'll talk about that off air right we're going to leave it there take care guys thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you all very soon until next time ciao you're listening to the Chronicles of Aguda the Arsenal podcast I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon